Planet Japan, episode 25, for November 23, 2005. To Kill a Sparrow. On today's show, you'll be shocked to hear about two horrible crimes. The brutal murders of a radish and a sparrow. And, of course, the Planet Japan dancers will make you jump for joy. All that and much more on this week's Planet Japan. Stay tuned. Get ready. Get your seatbelts fastened. You're about ready to land on the Planet Japan with Amy and Doug. So, you want to hear a joke? Sure. But first, you know it's really hot in here, Doug. Yeah, this, it is a little warm. This heater is like going yeah, gangbusters. I know. I know. I'm sweating. I'm sweating like a Japanese interpreter trying to figure out what the hell President Bush has been talking about this week. It's true. The President of the United States, the so-called President of the United States, has been in our neighborhood this week. Well, almost, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard enough for Americans to, you know, understand what the hell he's talking about. The poor Japanese interpreter, he must have, like, no clue. Well, actually, yeah, but they couldn't make as, you know, many faux pas as he does anyway, no matter what they translate things as. Yeah, how do you... (laughs) They probably improve what he says, because they're like, there's no way he could have said that. Probably improves the grammar aspect of it anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Amy, how you doing? Fine, Doug. How are you? I'm great. I'm just happy to be back for Planet Japan episode number... 25. We're at the quarter century mark. Wow. It's amazing. It is. So, Amy, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving coming up in just a few days now. Unfortunately, we're in Japan, where people aren't uh, really into the whole Thanksgiving thing. No, not at all. Um, Yeah. Now, I usually have a big Thanksgiving bash at my house. Oh, do you? And I was going to have one again this year, Mm -hmm. and then I uh, forgot to order the turkey. Oh, dear. And you yes. can't just run out to the store and grab a turkey. This is the thing. You have to order them five to seven days in advance, as I found out. Yeah, from a special company for foreign buyers. Right. And yeah. um, I guess I always did it on time before, but this time I missed it. So we're still going to have it, but we're going to have a vegetarian Thanksgiving. No turkey. Well, not quite the same then, is it? Well, you know, what you do know. you want? Sometimes you got to compromise uh-huh. in a foreign country. It is odd, though, that you can't find turkey around this place. I mean, come on. Turkey should be mm, everywhere. Yummy, yummy, yeah. There's chicken everywhere. Why can't we have turkey? Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, if you're listening out there, whoever runs the the poultry concession in Japan, we want our turkey. Come on, it's Thanksgiving after all. Yeah. Yeah. But I figure now I'm all set for uh, Christmas. Oh, Christmas is coming very soon. I definitely have my turkey. Turkey for Christmas. Yeah, yeah you'll be Christmas all set. Christmas is like a backup. You know, to Thanksgiving. That's right. You know, it's yeah. mostly the same food, or it ha- always has been in my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, if I don't make Thanksgiving like I didn't this year, then right. I'll, I'll make Christmas for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? You're right. It is hot in here, but it's cold. It's getting cold outside. But whenever I go around these days, I still tend to wear my, my short sleeve shirts. And pe- people keep getting on my case about it. And they say, Samukunai. Yeah, they say, hey, what, what's your problem? It's November for crying out loud. Put on a long sleeve shirt. See, that's right. That's, it, the change of seasons in Japan is very important. And I would imagine that those short sleeves are just a real attack on the fo- fall foliage. Ah. I bet be. the, re- the fall foliage is really offended mm. by those short sleeves. Yeah. So out of respect for the foliage, you should be wearing <laughs> long sleeves. That is a popular hobby. People love to go see the leaf changing. Mm-hmm. Of course, they do that in the U.S. too. They certainly do. Yeah, yeah. people take long drives and stuff. Yeah. I look at a picture of a leaf. Okay, here it's here it's orange, here it's gold. That's very nice. 
I don't have to get in a car, travel halfway up a mountainside. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like to do things the easy way. Well, we have um, some nice foliage on the island, mm -hmm. um, but our fall foliage colors are different. Oh Ours yeah? are purple and pink. Of course they are. So, yeah. I yeah. just wrote a column about that, actually. <laughs> to understand it, you'd have to read it. Purple and pink. Purple and pink. Yeah, we don't do the orange and yellow and red thing. Mm. No, purple and pink sounds much more interesting. It is highly interesting. Got an email from our uh, otaku mom friend, oh, Cynthia. Oh, yeah. How is she? Yeah. She's a wacky woman, I, I suspect. Good. I like <laughs> them wacky. <laughs> she, um, we were talking about the American manga last week. Mm -hmm. How Americans are kind of uh, coming up with their own comics in the manga style. Right. And she told us about her friend uh, Adam Arnold, who has become quite the... Quite the hot uh, item, hot item, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. He has a very interesting um, American manga series called Aoi House. Blue. That's right. It's a it's about a blue house. A blue house. <laughs> blue house on the prairie. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Anyway, it's quite interesting. It's on the web. I'll uh, put a link up on uh, the blog, and people can check okay. it out. So is this guy pretty popular in America then? Apparently so. All right. Well. So if you recall uh, last week, we... No. <laughs> I know, it's a long time ago, but should we tell people that you're, you're drinking beer tonight? I am. I'm having a beer on the show. Mm -hmm. It's our first intoxicated podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm old enough, so I figured I should go for it. You, I'm over 21. Yeah, or that's 20, true. sorry. Do you, get, do you get checked at the door? Do you get, have to show your ID? Unfortunately, not anymore. You know, people in Japan don't actually check IDs a they, lot. They do don't they? at all. Right. Yeah. And me being a bar owner, mm. I don't think I've ever checked an ID. Really? And I asked uh, someone what to do about this because it's like, you know, this is the beach, right? The mm -hmm. bar, it's on the beach and, you know, some people come up and they don't really look like they're probably old enough but they'd faint if I actually ID'd them. <laughs> they'd be like, what the hell? What are you talking about? So I asked uh, someone what they do and they're like, oh, well, if they don't look old enough, just ask them if they are. And they'll tell you the truth every time. And if they say yes, then serve them. Yeah, there you go. That's the easy way out. I In guess. other words, you asked, and that's all you're really responsible so for. So people are on the honor system here. Yeah, I'm going to start fingerprinting people. <laughs> well, this is a country where you can buy beer out of a vending machine, so... That's right. Yeah. But not anymore on Shiraishi Island. They oh, really? took the vending machines out. Can you believe that? Really? Yeah. Because? I can't figure it out. Well, actually, I did ask. I protested, actually. <laughs> And um, because really we have very few, you know, people under, you know, 60 on the island. That's true. I'm like the youngest on the <laughs> island. And they said that they were showing their support. In uh -huh. other words, people were taking out the machines in the cities. What? And they felt the pressure to take out theirs as well to show their support for uh, combating underage drinking. People are actually taking out machines in the cities? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Now, I have noticed that lately there's been a comeback. Yeah? Right, by some of them. But no, there are not nearly the number of machines anymore. No kidding. See, you don't drink beer. I don't drink beer. See, that's why you don't know this. I didn't notice that. It is central to my living <laughs> in Japan. That's one reason I live here, is I just love the attitude about drinking. Uh -huh. It's like, no big deal. And because we don't make a big deal out of it, kids don't think it's any big deal either. I mm -hmm. wouldn't. S I would say the underage drinking problem here... Is a m is like ten percent of what it is in the states. Really? Yeah, because we make such a big deal out of being old enough to drink, and but yeah. then they somebody at some point decided it's a problem, and they're so they're taking the machines they out. They did, now? and it it's a wonder, I tell you, you know. But I think it's just that you know, in general, Japanese youth are so good. 
compared to <laughs> <laughs> ours. Uh-huh. They, they have to, you know, they have to blame them for something. They don't raise as much hell, is that what you're saying? No. Now they're starting to, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this really, when I first came to Japan, I was so surprised. All my students, university students, high school students, they were all so good. It was yeah. just unbelievable. I thought something was wrong with them. I know. I was like, this is your, your rebellious age, you know? Come on, show your <laughs> colors. But yeah. they were like, oh, no, I want to be just like my mother when I grow up. Yeah, it's amazing. And still a lot of them are, you yeah. know? It's a great country. Remember last week we talked about naked corpses? Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, that was the name of the show last week. <laughs> <laughs> so, you want to be a naked corpse? And amazingly, many people apparently do. Well, that was about uh, this company that looks for women who are willing to be a naked corpse on a TV drama. And then they, they pay you for just laying around lo- looking naked and sickly. So now, what, you actually have to die? No. <laughs> oh, I was going to say I might be able to pick up a real part-time job there. But in my research, I came across something very interesting. A... Um, a famous Japanese photographer mm-hmm. by the name of Izima Kaoru mm-hmm. has put together a series of photographs. Actually, he started doing this back in 1993. And the name of the uh, series of photographs is Landscapes with a Corpse. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> what he has done is he's uh, taken these beautiful fashion models wearing these designer clothes and uh, put them into a death scenario, if you will. Mm-hmm. And actually, the, the models get together with him, and they kind of collaborate and decide what the scenario is going to be. One of them is is on the floor of a pachinko parlor, oh. having apparently slipped on some of the pachinko balls. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, yeah, croaked, Yeah, basically. So anyway. these are, na- are uh, clothed women who have mm, croaked. Yeah. Some of them actually look like they've been murdered or something. It's kind of a little eerie. Some of them are a little gruesome, but there's not a lot of of gruesomeness in the photo. That's right. There's no gore in it, but yeah. it's suggested. I, I kind of, I don't know, it's weird. Here's an interesting uh, description. Uh, the photographs themselves are stunning if unsettling. The florid settings, striking compositions, and sensuously dressed damsels, <laughs> damsels, mm, damsels. Like evoke John Everett Malaise's 1852 painting Ophelia uh-huh. and the films of David Lynch. I love David Lynch. Bits of pulp horror mingled with high fashion. That's a good description, yeah. Bits mm. of pulp horror mingled with high fashion. Mm. No, I think I think I like these photos more than you do. Yeah, um, from I don't know, from a woman's point of view, you know, seeing kind of like dead women made sexy isn't really <laughs> something that I'm into. But I. But if you're going to be dead, you, you want to look your best, don't you? If you have to be dead, uh, one of the interesting things about this uh, photography collection was that uh, it was very provocative when it first came out and no magazine in Japan would even print the photos. So the photographer started his own magazine. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's All one right. way to do it. Mm-hmm. Zyapu oh. is the name of the magazine. And and this is all he's got in it, or is these dead women? Uh, well, no, it's probably a lot. Of, he does a lot. He doesn't only do oh. this kind of stuff. I he's, see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's quite, quite uh, well-known. But this exhibition of photos kind of uh, made him really well-known all over the world. He started showing up in galleries in Europe and the U.S., but um, it, di- it just didn't, didn't catch on very well in Japan. Uh, this article from, um, from Newsweek says that Kaoru has found greater acceptance as an artist in the West than in Japan, although the series has been exhibited widely in galleries in Europe and the U.K., 
Only one solo exhibition has been held in Japan back in 1999. Kaoru-san, the artist, says Japanese people do not really discuss anything on death. I don't think they have a mindset to take death positively. Well, they spend an awful lot of time um, really worshipping the dead. You know, mm. when you think about ancestor worship and how they do the... Um, even 50 years after someone is dead, they still mm. have ceremonies and everything. Mm -hmm. And hmm. Indeed. Maybe. Well, speaking of photographs, you came Kay. across an interesting thing uh, from another photographer. I certainly did. This is highly interesting, I think. It's a French photographer, and her name is uh, Chantal Stoman. Mm -hmm. And she went around Japan, and she photographed women shopping. Oh, really? If you think this sounds really boring, then you have not seen shopping in Japan. Indeed. It is definitely taken to new heights here. It's a favorite pastime of women, and often uh, my students, if you ask them what their hobbies are, and they'll say shopping. Yeah. 90% of them will list shopping as one of their hobbies. But this photographer is focusing more on the real high-end kind of shopping, Chanel. Are you suggesting that my university students do not buy those high-end things? Uh, I wouldn't know. They certainly do. Really? Yes. That's not good. Uh, one uh, One... Of my students told me how she bought a 40,000 yen ring. 400 bucks. Yeah. For herself. Yep. For a ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. No yeah. one else is going to buy it for her. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Yeah. A lot of girls, a lot of these young women will have these real expensive handbags. and. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that her ob this uh, photographer's observations were, were great. And she says, here, meaning Japan... A woman who enters a luxury boutique goes not to look but to buy. Once inside, she's like a child in a sweet shop, and she is enthralled with the idea of what she is about to spend. Then she takes her time, and she's pampered and fawned upon by the shopkeepers. Sometimes the shopkeepers even will kneel down as they present a bag her to look at. Really? Literally yeah. kneel down on the ground? Yeah, and I've had this happen too. I mean, I've been through <coughs> this experience. Not that I buy expensive things very often, but every now and then, you know, you need something really nice. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really amazing how they treat you. And she's talking about this phenomena as what happens is that, that the, the customer actually becomes a queen and the shopkeeper it becomes like her maid servant. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I can totally understand that because that's, you know, the whole idea is to make you feel like you have money, you have power, and I'm just this little, you know, maidservant who's going to, you know, mm. take care of you. Yeah. And then when, she, when the woman has finally made her purchase, the assistants bow before her once again and accompany her to the exit where they must wait and not take their eyes off her until she is out of sight even if the street is 500 meters long. <laughs> and haven't you noticed, even just going into maybe Tenmaya, if yeah. you buy something, they always, like, hold the bag. They, you know, they wrap it all up and hold it. Another clerk takes your money, mm -hmm. gives you the money back, and once you've put it all away in your wallet, the change and everything, if you have any, then the other woman comes out around the counter till she's, like, standing right next to you and she bows and she gives you the bag yeah there is a kind of a ceremony that There's goes a on a whole ceremony yeah. absolutely so when you are talking about luxury boutiques like Louis Vuitton Prada and stuff like that where these women are buying these $2,000 bags mm -hmm. then wow it's just 
ridiculous. the best. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely the best service that they can give. But you're right. Even in a regular department store, any kind of shop, a lot of times after you finish buying something, they'll just follow you all the way out That's right. to the door or even out in front of the building mm-hmm. and wave to you and right. call you a cab or whatever you need. And they'll say thank you a thousand times. Yeah. Leaving a gas station. Mm-hmm. If you pull up and get some gas, Mm -hmm. the attendants there will jump out in traffic and stop traffic for you. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that great? That's the most amazing thing. Yeah, and let you out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Strangely enough, many have been killed doing this. There's a monument at every gas station (laughs) to to the attendants who have been killed jumping out into the traffic. But anyway, back to this shopping thing to wrap it up here, so to speak, is that uh, people always wonder where these women get all the money to buy these luxury goods because they're basically just office ladies and I mean these are not like you know high rollers Mm -hmm. with money and the answer is simply that they spend all their money on these luxury goods all of it yeah so they don't have any money left after that they're basically homeless they have no place to live yeah that's why Mm-hmm. <laughs> they yeah. do. They live with their parents and they save tons of money and they go out and buy and they these spend it. ridiculous things. They go on yep. vacations to mm-hmm. Europe twice a year and yeah. it's amazing. What you can do if your parents are willing to put you up until you're Indeed. 40. Yeah, that's hey, right. speaking of... Speaking of 40. 40 and uh, Kuroda, the, who the princess married, Princess Nori married oh, right, last yeah. week. The commoner. Yeah, he's lived with his mother and he's 40. I heard they're getting a divorce they now. <laughs> they are not. Did, I thought I heard that. No, no. No? They're not getting divorced? They've only been married a week. Well, Did yeah, you see the wedding on TV? I, I, I think I was in the toilet. Okay. <laughs> well, I saw it. And I must say that talk about marrying a commoner. This guy was, like, more than common. But the princess is kind of, you know, well, she's very cute. In a mousy kind of way. But, yeah, she kind of looks like a very cute duck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she is. She's a cute, cute, cute. A cute, cute duck, yes. Yeah, doesn't she? She has a little duckling face. She does, <laughs> you know. But um, we're not talking about raving beauty here on either side. That's right. However, I thought it was interesting because this was her, you know, her first uh, passage into commonism. In commonality. Right? <laughs> commonality. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought they almost really took it too far. The wedding was in a hotel reception room, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but her dress, her wedding dress, her white wedding dress, was plain. Like, not one sequence, not one lace, not anything. Mm. Not one eyelid on the yeah. whole thing. Really? Yeah. And then she didn't change dresses even the way the Japanese always do. They put on after the white wedding dress and they put on the cocktail dresses, mm-hmm. you know, two or three of those and parade around. Yep. She didn't have a tiara. She didn't have anything I almost felt sorry for. Well, I guess she really wants to get into the whole common thing. I think they they almost really made too much of a point to make it common. Yeah. Because really, Japanese weddings are something to see. Mm-hmm. They are so elaborate. They are pretty cool. I mean, just a normal wedding. Um, it's just amazing. You would think that, uh, you know, a prince and princess were getting married. <laughs> Indeed. But actually, this was just like, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah? Hmm. Well, I hope they're doing okay. Oh, yeah. I hope they're going to stick it out. Yeah, I hope she's dealing with those uh, Tokyo subways, okay? Yeah, and the supermarkets and all oh, that. Oh, yeah. All the, you know, things that make life on Earth a living hell. That's right. Okay. 
So did you see uh, Last Samurai with Tom Cruise? Yeah. Pretty interesting movie. Ooh, Watanabe. It was Ken so Watanabe. hot. But you're in love with Ken Watanabe. No, no. I just think that um, when People Magazine, right, mm-hmm. they called him the international man of sexiness. And I thought, hey, you International know, man of sexiness. Why I thought not? I thought that was Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, no. He was the international <laughs> man of mystery. That's right. Uh, yeah. Austin Powers. But, yeah, he's he's got nice eyes and he's, you know, has a very friendly face. He mm-hmm. almost looks like, well, you know, with that haircut, he almost looks like a Buddhist priest, right? There you go. But yeah, very kind. And I love his attitude towards all this. You mm-hmm. know, he's not getting a big head about it or anything. He's just like, I try not to think about it. He says, if you take compliments and you might remember them, and then, you know, you might get a big head. Yeah, I have so the same problem. Yeah. <laughs> I try to keep a level head about about things, but you know, women are always following me around, and and it's amazing how you do that, Doug. I yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's not easy. You must be second in international man of sexiness. Well, I was a little surprised that I I didn't get it this year. <laughs> this year, last year, you did. Last year, I <laughs> uh, yeah, I was up, I was in the running a little bit last year, but then they found out that uh, I used to be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> that would do it, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, wa- uh, Ken Watanabe is also going to be in Memoirs of a Geisha. Oh, the new movie that's out, based on the novel. Right. Yeah, with the, which there's some controversy about, apparently. Oh, lots of it, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the saddest stories to come along in a long time here in Japan... <laughs> what? ...was the story of the radish. Oh, that was just, uh, I was moved to tears. Yeah. Now, in Japan, they're called daikon, and they're like huge monster radishes. Oh, they're huge. Yeah. And people love to eat them and put them in everything from soups to nuts. Nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Radish is most often uh, grated and used, um, you know, as an accessory. A garnish. A garnish. Mm -hmm. Right. For other foods. That's right. But not this time. This no. radish has really gained notoriety because it started growing in the middle of the road, in a crack in the road. Amazingly enough. Yeah. You don't see that every day. No, definitely not. Yeah. And so people started taking note that there was this radish in the middle of the road, mm-hmm. and they started protecting it. And uh, people had to drive around it and everything, and it was making the news constantly. People were like, oh, the radish. And, you know, every night they'd have a picture of the radish and would mm-hmm. talk about how it's growing. And um, then, then there's always got to be someone to spoil the fun. One night, somebody saw the image of the Virgin Mary <laughs> right there on the radish. You know, that's about the only thing that hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's because we're in Japan, not no, something, America. Something very shocking happened to the radish. Yeah, well, it was murdered. It was killed. It was Decapitated. Someone came along and just cut off the cut off its head. Yeah, some son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And so apparently, though, he he must have felt kind of bad about it because he, after a day, he brought back the head of the <laughs> he, radish. He and brought it back. <laughs> he did and laid it next to the radish. And yeah. then what the officials did is they ran out and they put the head of the radish in water to try to keep it fresh and alive mm-hmm. and hoping that it would flower. Uh, yeah. Right. Mm. But uh, apparently, they gave it a nickname. Mm-hmm. The Gutsy Radish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Gutsy it Radish. It was Gutsy, all right. Yeah. It was so Gutsy that when it was decapitated, townspeople were, were, were seen to be crying. 
Yeah, they moved to Tears. Moved to Tears. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I moved to Tears, Montana one year. So what was the meaning of this radish? Well, I, apparently this um, this radish, was, it, it just really moved people, and they were, they were overcome. First, they were impressed with it. Then they were shocked and saddened when it was killed. Oh, we ought to get that yeah. photographer out here to take pictures of dead radishes. Oh, that would work. The town spokesman, doesn't every town have a spokesman? <laughs> Jiro Matsuo. He said, this is, this is really the essence of this radish, of this gutsy radish. He said, people discouraged by tough times were cheered by its tenacity and strong will to live. Wow, that's deep. Yeah, it's deep, but it's really stupid, too. Speaking of overreacting, now, uh, did you see this uh, big domino competition in uh, the Netherlands? Didn't see it, but I did hear about it. Now, this is one of those... Pretty cool things, actually, where they spend like 20 years setting up all these dominoes. 20 years. <laughs> you know, a long time. There yeah. must be a lot of dominoes. bunch of people. This time they were trying to set a world's record, getting to the uh, Guinness Book. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they spend like weeks and weeks setting up four million, more than four million dominoes. One day while they're doing this, after they'd set up all the dominoes and they're getting ready for the big uh, event, mm-hmm. a little tiny sparrow flies in through a window and flies around and knocks one little domino down. Oh, no. The next thing you know, 23,000 dominoes have hit the ground. Oh, my gosh. Hit the deck. Wow. And the sparrow felt no guilt about this? (laughs) He had no time to feel guilt about it. Somebody, uh, apparently fearing that the sparrow would knock down all four million dominoes, Mm -hmm. got on the line and got the exterminator to come with a little air rifle, Mm -hmm. and, and he killed the sparrow. He did? Is is this America? This is in the Netherlands. Oh, my gosh. Amsterdam. You mean they just shoot anything there, too? They, they just killed the little sparrow. Oh, that's so sad. He didn't mean to do it. Uh, uh, he He's was just a sparrow. How was, could he have known? He was <laughs> cowering in the corner when they shot him. Oh, <laughs> that's horrible. I can't believe they killed the sparrow just because they flew in and got confused. I mean, mm. if you saw those dominoes, what sure. would you do? What else are you going to do except knock them over? Yeah, he's probably trying to eat them. He didn't realize it wasn't quite time yet. Anyway, this whole event has outraged, I tell you, outraged the the animal rights community around the world. As it should. Indeed. You know they eat sparrows in Japan. Yeah, skewered. They put them on a stick. Yeah, three at a time. Yum, yum, yum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And also, the uh, tears of a sparrow is what is the um, saying used to describe a very small salary. The tears of a sparrow. <laughs> yeah. That was a 50s song, wasn't it? Was it? Tears of a sparrow. Maybe not. <laughs> okay. I got some lovely quotes, though, from people. Mm-hmm. They uh, set up a website to honor the memory of this fallen sparrow. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds Japanese almost. Somebody wrote to the website and said, I want to wish the Sparrow's family strength in this difficult time. Aww. That's my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah, the family. Really? You've got to think about the family in That's right. cases like that. I mean, this. she could have had eggs. Indeed. Ready to hatch. Yeah. Uh, the, the person who ran the event, he said, we all feel terrible about what happened. And even though we're happy we set the record, we have mixed emotions. Yeah. Yeah, because mm. of the dead Sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> now, is it just me, or are people just going a little overboard here? Oh, I don't know. It's a sparrow. Yeah. 
Somebody else wrote to the website and said, you wouldn't shoot a person for knocking down a few dumb dominoes, would you? Right, yeah. <laughs> well, so apparently sparrows and human beings are on the same level. No, sparrows are higher because they can fly. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, my advice, first of all, I'd like to say congratulations for setting the world's record. Over four million dominoes. Mm. These are pretty ma- they They fall down, they create these huge, like, images of whatever and it takes two hours for four million dominoes to fall down two hours and a sparrow and one dead sparrow (laughs) 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 but i would just hope that people can move on with their lives after this yeah and remember that eighty thousand people have been killed in the earthquake in pakistan for crying out loud yeah really let's try to get some you know perspective perspective exactly yeah jeez okay I'm gonna get. We're gonna get email from sparrow lovers now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is it time for cowtails? I think it must be. Ma. Speaking of honoring animals, mm-hmm. like honoring the sparrow, right? By setting up a website and stuff. Yeah. Well, in Japan, it's uh, quite common to honor animals that are killed for some reason or another on purpose. <laughs> Did you know that there is a shrine to the first? cow that was slaughtered for beef in Japan. Well, that's that's sweet. Yeah. How long ago was this? This would be... Last week? <laughs> this would be when Commodore Perry came to Japan. There you go. Commodore Perry is uh, the person responsible for opening up Japan to the rest of the Western world. Mm-hmm. And he came in 1855, Something. 56, <laughs> okay. around then. Uh-huh. And at that time, they set up the first U.S. Embassy... And wouldn't you know, it would have been the U.S. ambassador who ordered the first cow slaughtered for beef. Really? So before that, they didn't eat beef in Japan? No. And as a matter of fact, the (laughs) Japanese people were so unimpressed by this that uh, the ones who owned cows, they hid them. Sure. You don't want... You don't want them coming around killing your cow. That's right. Oh, my gosh. This guy's a heathen. He's eating these cows. So there's a monument to honor the soul of this first That's right. Isn't that nice? It's beautiful. It's in Shimodo. Okay. Well, that's that's, that's a nice cowtail. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. So recently, uh, in the last few weeks, we've been talking about this geek jargon, some of this new vocabulary that the geeks are using. And we're going to... Uh, jump into a little bit of a new area this week, a very interesting area of vocabulary that uh, is new vocabulary being used by Japanese women for specific reasons. Right. Yeah, do we have a name for this uh, segment? No, it's just new vocabulary for women. Not very catchy. It's not. We (laughs) should come up with something else. We'll work on that. Um, Give us an example. Okay, for example, here's a word that means a past beauty. Mm-hmm. Now, this doesn't mean a woman who was beautiful and has gotten old and is, and is no longer beautiful. This is kako bijin. Kako means past. Bijin means a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And it means a woman who would have been called a beauty if she had been born in an earlier age, an <laughs> earlier time. Yeah. Right? So, they seem to lament this as well. They like to make you uh, aware that they would have been very beautiful if uh, it had been 20 years ago. It's just bad timing then. Yeah. I think a great example of this is the otafuku. Mm-hmm. She's the classic uh, beautiful Japanese woman. And she's not beautiful at all, though. This uh, is you know going way back. Right. And, uh, or she was at least the, the kind of woman that every guy would want to marry. 
mm-hmm. way yeah. back when. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <coughs> she's kind of got this pear-shaped head mm-hmm. and face. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's very quite dowdy looking. So if you saw her today, you would go, boy, there is one unattractive woman. Yeah. But, gee, if it was 500 years ago, she'd be really hot. That's right, yeah. Okay, that's the mm-hmm. idea for this vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, and it's kakobijin. Kakobijin. Yep. Okay, thanks. thank you very much. We'll, we'll add a few more in the coming weeks. We will. We've got lots here. Oh, yeah. And finally, it's time for... Audio mnemonics. Yay. And the word for today is the word for learning or study. Okay. It's pronounced gaku or manabu. Mana, manabu. Manabu. To learn. And uh, the kan- this kanji is great. I really like it. It's got a, the kanji for child, and it, it looks like a child. And uh, the child has an arrow going straight through his body. Oh, my God. Yeah, because every child hates to study. So they feel like they've got this piercing arrow going straight through them. Yeah. And then, children these days, have you noticed they're always, they either have wild hair or mm-hmm. they have a wild hat on with things sticking out of it. Okay. Lots of hats these days. Mm-hmm. And this child who is learning has an arrow through, him, through his body and a wild hat on. Wow, this may be our most colorful kanji ever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it means to I can study. totally relate, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Okay, thank you very much. That's this week's audio mnemonics kanji. Okay, I think we are just about out of time. Mom. It's been fun. It's been great. You know, we should do this again sometime. How about next week? We could do it next week. Same time. Same channel. Hey. <laughs> we do want to remind people that uh, if they haven't had the opportunity to go over and vote for us yet this month, you can vote every month. Just go to our planetjapan.org website, go down the page a little bit, and you'll see the Vote for Planet Japan link. And it's very easy and simple. It takes about one minute. And by doing so, you will make this world a better place to live in. Absolutely. Yeah. And we appreciate each and every vote that we get. It's also fun. I just love to read the comments that people leave. Isn't that fun? Yeah, that is cool. No. Yeah. Also, if you want to send email to us, you can send it to Planet Japan. 05 at yahoo.com. Here's what I'm wondering. It's almost 06 in a couple more weeks, a few more weeks. Should I, should I change our address to Planet uh, Japan 06 or should I leave it at 05? I think you should leave it at 05 because we started in 05, 2005. Okay. It'll represent our initial yeah. year then. That's right. Okay, good. I won't have to change it every year then. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Amy. I'll see you again next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening as well. And see you, Doug, next week. Moo. So long. <laughs> <laughs>